All right, everybody. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. Do your announcement first. What's my announcement? Welcome to this week's Yawa. You know, that sort of thing. Welcome to this week's Yawa. (laughs) I just wanted to do that. Well, uh, if anybody has any idea what Kat just hacks hacks word over here, um, I want you to throw it in the comments below. What is this thing called? If you don't know, you can learn very quickly by watching last week's. That's Mm. delicious. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good thing I got coffee here. Glad we got more than one of these. Oh, 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 oh. Throw in the comments below. If you don't know what we are eating, go back. Watch last week's episode and figure it out. Because mm-hmm. they're really good. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <clears throat> okay. And for all of you listening... At least you get a little bit of disgusting night. eating noises made by Ethan and slurping drinking noises. This week on disgusting eating noises made by Ethan, we have some really cool things to talk about this week, and one of which involves this. Look at these bad boys. Ooh. We got a sexy new cap, leather patch. What are we calling it? America Classic, I believe, is what we're going to be having this posted on the interwebs with. Get the blue, get the gray heather, get the leather patch with a dog, everything that says everything you want to be as an American bird dog owner. And then, of course, branded Standing Stone on the back. Also, we're trying to keep up with this aspect of stuff because Ethan's going to be gone. So... We're catching up with some questions and preparing a little bit ahead of time. You're going to have to hack or another one of those. Good God. I know they're so good. But we also need to talk and not eat at the same time. Mm-hmm. Everybody tuned in this week just to listen and watch us eat. <laughs> they're so I, I'm good. I'm going to say, we got to just throw it up on replay here real quick. <laughs> Cat misses the center by a long shot (laughs) as she slices a quarter inch off the outside. If only this had been bigger, you would have had a chance at hitting it. It reminds me of that scene on the Titanic when Rose has to use that hatchet to chop through the handcuffs. I have not seen the Titanic. (gasps) Oh my gosh! A movie that Ethan hasn't seen that he should see, just like he makes fun of me for not seeing Forrest Gump and whatever else. Who hasn't seen the Titanic? Put it in the comments below if you think we should have a date night and watch Titanic. But she like has it's gonna to involve a, it's gonna involve a trade. So what are you saying? I have to watch. Uh, we could start with Forrest Gump. No, one for one. It's not like I watched ten movies to one. Of the movies I want to watch. Uh-huh. I know. Isn't Titanic like three hours long, though? I don't know. Isn't Forrest Gump really long, too? Nah, Forrest Gump's like an hour and 20 minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk about it. Anyway, if you know what scene I'm talking about in Titanic, put it in the comments below. That was my near miss of the chopping of the... <laughs> 
pecan thingy. All right. So we have uh, enough shenanigans. All right. Enough shenanigans. Let's go ahead and get into some question answering hoopla with some really good questions pulled for this week. And which we've been doing our new format uh-huh. where uh-huh. each day a Yawa video comes out that's answering one question on our YouTube channel. Where are those questions coming from? They are coming from the comment section of our YouTube videos. So if you have a question that you want us to potentially answer on one of these episodes, if you will, throw it in the comments on YouTube, Yawa question, and then your question. Yeah. And then if you want to binge it and hear us talk all the questions and all the answers out at once, check us out on our podcast, which is available on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you catch your podcasts at. Isn't that what they're called? Podcast catchers or something? I have no idea. I think I've heard people say that term though. But yes, you can listen to everything 100 on Wednesdays. That's when they're released. So without further ado... We're going to start with our first question. Mm -hmm. First question from Lacey Burnett. Yawa question, which is exactly right. You're supposed to put those in there for me to find them easier. I have a new GSP puppy. He is currently 11 weeks old. Mm. Picked him up at nine weeks old. Perfect age. We've started training him on a come or hear cue and responds well to both his name and the cue while during training. Thank you for using the term cue. I appreciate yeah. you uh, following along with our I stuff and knowing you. our verbiage. Yeah. So he um, maybe he knows that he's going to be getting a treat. However, mm. outside of a training session, he completely ignores us and doesn't even recognize that we are calling him by name. Any advice would be extremely helpful. Thanks for the great videos. So this is a really good question, and we have talked about it in previous videos, Yawa's probably, as well as we've also done a video recently with Clutch talking about generalizing your training and getting your puppy to listen, not just during your specific training sessions. And it's important to generalize your training so that your puppy understands that they have to listen at multiple different times, not just when your hand's in the cookie jar, basically. I or believe during a training session. that you can search Standing Stone, this is on YouTube, Standing Stone, and then all you have to type is my dog only listens during training sessions. That's it. That's all you have to type. Or you could go to Clutch's playlist. Yeah, playlists are harder for people to find, I feel like. Mm-hmm. We're going to see if that comes up when Ethan searches it, but... That video would be a really good one to watch, as well as if your puppy is really um, focused during training sessions. Mm. You can just type in standing stone. My dog only listens. And it's the first video that comes up. Then the next video that comes up is one of ours. And then the next video and then the next video. And then that's because I typed in standing Standing stones. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Anyway. So getting back to how you can work through some of that um, session smartness in dogs is if you actually utilize their meal and spread it out throughout the morning. So if your puppy eats, you know, a cup of food in the morning and a cup of food in the evening, take that meal, that portion, and do a short training session. You know, use five or six kibble. 
and then say, okay, now we're done for now with a specific training session, but keep those kibble on you. There's awesome little treat pouches, put it in your pocket, uh, that sort of thing. So that when you need, and keep your clicker with you too, so that when you need to be able to talk to your puppy and ask your puppy for another behavior and start, um, doing it not in high distracting situations, do baby steps. So your puppy only listens during specific training sessions. Then you say, well, I don't want to wait until he's super distracted and playing with a toy and trying to call him to me for, you know, a recall cue. Um, do it when he's, you know, just laying in the sun or just uh, hanging around and kind of focused, but it's not actually during a training session and give him that cue and see if you can help build that um, momentum of a basically training situation, not during training so that they can respond to that cue and, you know, exhibit the behavior that we're looking for, just not with it being in a training session. Yeah. This is going to be a baby step that ultimately leads to collar conditioning, but it's really going to help now with a dog that's too young, probably to begin that collar conditioning. Yeah, only 11 weeks old is a little young, mm-hmm. but that is honestly, depending on the dog, kind of when we start to see a little bit more of that independent streak coming through. Especially usually, with short hairs. Yeah. Usually 12 to 16 weeks, I tell people, hey, it sounds like your puppy's probably getting a little more independent. And those are really important times to start generalizing that obedience. Absolutely. It's a great question. What did they have to say? The next question, which came from a YouTube comment, was, Hey, Ethan and Kat from Justin Lawton. Thank you so much for the information that you share with us on a constant basis. Hey, Justin. I have a 14-month-old English lab and have been trying to introduce her to gunfire. I've been using a starter pistol and noticed that she will ignore the gunfire at great distances, but as I get into around 50 to 75 yards, she will stop retrieving and look up. There is no running away scared or any real response except looking at her ears will fold backwards. Mm. If this happens, I stop. I'm not sure if she loses interest in the bumper because we use them a ton, yet I don't have access to pigeons, and my wife refuses to allow me to bring some in. Come on, wife. Should I try and switch to a dummy launcher because of the excitement of a bouncing bumper to entice the prey drive? What would be your thoughts on a gun sensitivity? I think that this would be an amazing Yawa segment. Thanks so much, Justin. Which, obviously, we also thought it would be a good Yawa segment. I'm going to say to start off with your specific words of when her ears pin back, you stop. It sounds like that's a a multiple rep, right? Like the first one maybe or the second one and then the third one this happens or something. It doesn't say specifically, but it it doesn't give enough specifics. And that's what I was going to say. Um, And being able to read what her body language is actually doing What you're explaining sounds like sensitivity, not extreme gun shyness, if you will, but definitely the gunfire pulls more focus than the task at hand, which is not what we want. Yeah. And you've said that, you know, you use these bumpers a lot for retrieving, so they aren't as an exciting situation uh, because... They're old news. The bumpers have been used over and over and over. And depending how long your session is, that's why getting to see a session or getting more information of, you know, how many reps are you doing? For example, if you watch Thunder's Gunfire Intro, we did that with bumpers. Yep. 
And I was doing the training session. Our good friend Peter was helping. He was gunning. Ethan was videoing. And I had bumpers with me and I had thunder. And we were doing the session. And then I watched the video back and was like, did I really only do two bumpers with him? And you're uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah, you did. I'm like, huh. I felt like I, or maybe it was three. You uh, did three, but there were two shots, I think. Okay, maybe that was it. Yep. Um, because the first shot. You guys were un- uncertain. Yep. with our gunner. And so I only did three bumpers. And the gunner made the right choice of not shooting. Exactly. In that situation. He's like, I didn't know what was going on there, so I didn't shoot. Yep. So I only threw three bumpers for him in that entire gunfire intro training session. And I watched yes. it back and I was like, did I really only do three? Yes, yes, I did. But it was because I wasn't counting in my head, well, I got to get to five or I got to get to 10. I was just watching Thunder and he had to work a little bit harder for those bumpers because they ended up bouncing into some taller cover and he was searching and it was getting warm. And he wasn't really letting down excitement level yet, but I didn't want to get to that point where then I'm like, oh, well, now we've lost momentum. Now we've lost excitement. Let's stop now. No, we want to stop when we still have that drive and desire and excitement going. See, I think that's the biggest thing, not knowing, you know, I mean, which is a lot of the folks that are listening here, and we completely understand that, because at one point in time, I was there. I've not always been born with the ability to understand and read dogs. That was a learned behavior. (laughs) See what I did there? Um, Over time, that took experience, you know, I mean, we had to experience these things, and there were definitely those times where... And still today, I mean, I'm not by any means perfect, but still today, I push sessions too far on occasion, on occasion. But ultimately, it's knowing when to stop. And that is like, that could, that could be another video in and of itself. The power of knowing when to end. I mean, is yeah, when to end a training session. Um, and it is because we see it in all aspects of training, not just gunfire introductions, not just bird introductions. We see it a lot of times with trained retrieve sessions. We're watching, you know, Patreon videos and going, oh, we made so much progress there. You should have stopped. Yes. <laughs> not pushed forward. And we actually did a video review uh-huh. on our YouTube channel. We asked permission from one of our patrons and showed, you know, hey, we are reacting to this video and this is when you should have stopped not here. So that would be another really good video to reference, just understanding, hey, you can sometimes ask too much. But without seeing a video of your actual training session, based on the information, it sounds like there's some sensitivity. Speaking of which, I want to throw just a little call to action, if you will, for the folks that are listening to this, because this is an important topic rolling into hunting season, which is in a lot of areas, well underway or right about to be underway. And if you guys want to kind of have an experience of what uh, the patrons are getting the opportunity to experience on a regular basis, but opening yourself up to the criticism of the interwebs, um, go ahead and make yourself a video of your training session. Okay, this is a freebie. We're only going to pick one, maybe two. But anybody that's watching, make yourself a video of your session. Type at the top. It has to be titled Standing Stone Video Review. Standing Stone Video Review. And if you put that in the title, I'll be able to search, find them before, oh, next week or the week after something. After this goes up, we'll give it a week. And then um, we can pull one of those videos and then do an actual review showing you um, 
you know, what it looks like to be a patron on a regular basis. And we'll say, all right, so right here, this is looking really good. And this set up right and this not so right. Or this is where we need to do something different. Or this is what we need to do here, there and different. And you can see kind of what on a first, you know, exactly what it would be like for the folks that are signed up on Patreon already. And they're getting their videos reviewed on the daily every day, except for Sunday, except for sometimes when I work on Sundays and people scold me for working on Sundays. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But standing stone video review, post your video, title it that. And if after I do this, if I search standing stone video review and nobody does it, then we'll assume you're all cowards and you should just sign up for Patreon where it's private between you and I. But, um, cowards. I wanted to get back to talking about this lab and the potential for some mm-hmm. gun sensitivity. Mm-hmm. So, if there's truly gun sensitivity there, it's definitely not something that we want to compound by continuing to utilize bumpers and gunfire if it's That's not key. working right now for you. Um, birds may be the answer, which I know if you can't have a loft and your wife's like, no pigeons, mm. um, but there's the potential that you could pick up some training birds just for the day that you're not going to keep around, but you're going to be using for just this purpose. Um But again, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to do too many bird retrieves and you don't want to lose momentum. So it's kind of a balancing act. Um, But getting, you know, two pigeons, then you can say, okay, I'm going to use these two pigeons and then I'm going to call it quits. Doing less is better than doing too much. Correct. So um, I wouldn't suggest your other option of utilizing a bumper launcher yet. If you see. Absolutely not. Yeah. If you're seeing. No, that's a hard no. If you're seeing some sensitivity or even what you're questioning is sensitivity, we don't want to compound it with a bumper launcher because they are not excited about chasing down this bumper prior to the gunfire happening. The gunfire happens and then the bumper goes. And if your puppy is already, or dog, I guess it's 14 months old, is already Mm -hmm. having apprehension about gunfire and they don't have the chase that they're thinking about and the excitement of a retrieve, then you're going to be causing more problems. So don't and do that. That bumper launcher is drastically louder than a blank pistol or even a shotgun. I mean, it's a sharper noise because it's using a 22 caliber. It's a different type of noise that comes out of those as well as the way that they're ported and all of those things just makes them loud. And you got to have your dog pretty close to you in order to be able to see the whole thing. So it's not ideal to be set up that way if we see any type of apprehension to the noise. And the last little plug, which I know we keep talking about Patreon because it is so powerful for people, um, but a really good option for a situation like this where you're like, I think I might be seeing some gun sensitivity. We definitely don't want to repeat a session, repeat a session, repeat a session and compound that problem. um, Live, baby. Doing it live, (laughs) exactly, where you can be set up videoing an actual session. We're watching it as it happens. And if we see the ears pinning or anything like that, we can say, Hey, wait, wait, Justin, for sure. We're talking about Justin. Yep. Justin, uh, stop, stop what you're doing right now. Collaborate and listen, build up some excitement again, get your puppy and your dog pumped up again, throw another retrieve, throw another bird, but don't do any more gunfire and end on a high note end on a good note. And then we can, since we saw what was happening as it was happening, we can help you make a plan for your next session. Um, before you said, Oh, well, maybe I just do a couple more, you know, this is what, how I ended. And then we watch it and go, 
well, that might not have been the best way if it was a video that you'd already completed and training session was over and then you posted it for us to review. Absolutely. So great question. I think that's all that we have time for in part one. Yeah. Right. And I, I started the whole song in my head. Stop, collaborate and listen. There's something that we're missing. This is uh, the game that needs to change in order to help this dog not uh, run out of lyrics there. Obviously, Ethan's not a rapper. Not even close. <laughs> well, thank you guys for watching this week's part one of Yawa. We will be back shortly with part two. All right, we're here for part two of this week's Yawa. And I believe, just for fun, I think we should start part two the same as we started part one. Go! Hiya! That was drastically Way better. better. Way better. Yeah, so second time's the charm, right? Which is exactly how it goes in Titanic, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let's cut this into quarters so there's small pieces to eat. So delicious. Mmm. 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 Should we cut it into eighteenths? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be eighteenths, but you know. Yeah. Eighths. Speaking Math. of, if you haven't already figured it out... Uh, I believe happy Thanksgiving last week to the Canadian friends. I got crumbs on my microphone. Goodness. Can't take you anywhere. Blow it off. <laughs> yeah, I don't pick the crumbs into the top of it. There we go. Ha-ha. Got it. <laughs> this is why you don't eat in Yawa. At the same time. Don't eat in yellow. We need bumper stickers that say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, these are delicious, and I can't stop eating them. So, thank goodness they are made in Canada, and I can't get them down here on the regular. They essentially are like a miniature pecan, pecan pie. pie. Oh, and which is absolutely my favorite dessert ever, pecan pie. Mm-mm, good in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So, ready for question one of this part? I can be. Okay. This question is from Andrew Cavada, which um, I'm not making fun of your name, but it made me think of Abracadabra. I don't know why when I read your name, but that's what it made me think of. Huh. Andrew Cavada, Abracadabra. Yeah, it's You're grasping. Not well, that's exactly the first thing that popped into my mind when I read it. Yawa question. This is my first bird dog. Five-month-old GSP and pheasant season opens in two weeks here in Pennsylvania. Ooh, congratulations. On pheasant season and your puppy. Mm -hmm. I just have a few questions. Keep in mind that I have been training by myself and with the help of the Keystone Navda Club and have not had professional help. That's awesome that you joined a chapter and have reached out to them. We talk about this in a lot of our videos in Yawas about reaching out, networking, working with a training group. If you're an amateur, if you don't know what you're doing, it's your first bird dog. They are a great resource to help you learn some of the basics, get your puppy ready, whether it's for testing or hunting. So um, he points birds in training and has had a proper gun intro. What should I expect his first year in the field to look like? He will be six months when the season starts, which I know is usually when dogs get a little independent, and I'm already seeing signs of this. 
Is it okay for him to flashpoint? Will this cause him to learn to hold longer because they got away? Should I shoot birds? He flushes instead of holding till I flush. Will he struggle to listen because he's so excited and distracted by the birds? Is it okay to put a bell on him to help keep track of him? Or will this scare birds away? Important detail to this one is that unfortunately, all the pheasants in Pennsylvania are now farm-raised, not wild. Basically, what are the most likely things to happen in the first year for an amateur first-time pointer trainer with a puppy? I know this was long and feel free to summarize, but thanks for all the great content. There were a lot of pieces to this question, and I mm-hmm. thought a lot of good information. The rest of those are mine, sir. I assumed. <laughs> He's just noshing away while I'm trying to read this question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there was a lot of important pieces to this question, and I think that they were a lot of good questions that probably not only um, Andrew has, but a lot of first-time bird dog owners, hunters are going to have this year. So I would say the first year that I took my first bird dog out on her first Sammy, ever hunt. Crazy Sam dog. She pointed butterflies. Cows. She pointed cows. She did end up pointing a pheasant. Which you shot for her. I did. Then I <clears throat> moved from that into coming back to the house to take pictures. The sought-after photos of the dogs on point after the hunt, all the things, because, you know, it's our first baby bird dog, first hunting season. Mm-hmm. And then I made her point the pheasants in the tall grass behind the house because I thought that the would dead be... dead pheasants. Yeah, dead pheasants behind the, the house in the tall grass because I thought that this would be good additional exposure and maybe we'd have less butterflies and cows on our next adventure out. So if you're going, yeah, what's wrong with that? Don't feel like you're alone because this guy did that. Mm-hmm. And we want to say why that's not necessarily something that you would want your dog to do. First yeah, of all, they're dead. They're dead. We want right. those dogs to retrieve dead birds, not point them again. Mm-hmm. So expecting her to go out and point those dead pheasants in the tall grass was not the smartest idea that we had had, but it kind of made sense at the time to get the picture and the experience, but it was not exactly how it should be done. No. But, um, yes, so your dog has been pointing birds in training, has had a gunfire introduction, super important prerequisites to going hunting. We actually shot a video, it's been a while now, about the prerequisites and the things that you should have your bird dog be able to do, and then the things that would be really freaking nice for them to know prior to taking them out for their first hunt. What was the title of that, producer? I believe it was called Things Your Dog Should Know Before Hunting and Other Things That Might Be Really, Really Frickin' Nice. Let me see. So we're going to look that up, but that would be a really good video to watch um, because something else on that list is I really would want my puppy to be collar conditioned for recall prior to going hunting, especially in un- um, Areas that they're not used to, new environments that they're hunting in. There's a lot of activity, a lot of excitement, like you mentioned. They get on wild birds, they're shooting, there's things going on, the dogs are running, and they get lost. Or you need to be able to recall them from a potentially dangerous situation, running across a road or something. And having a solid recall, collar-conditioned recall, would be one of the things that I would say would be really important to have prior to going. 
It's going to give you a little more control, a little more obedience and handle on the situation so that you definitely feel a little more comfortable taking your puppy out with you. The video is called, and you can search, Standing Stone, three, count them, one, two, three, musts for your dog to go hunting. And then in small text, it says, and some other things that are really freaking nice for them to have. So check that video out. It would be very beneficial for you prior to your first hunting season, especially because you still have a little bit of time to work on some things before the season kicks off. Um, But yes, expect for your puppy to get excited and for things to maybe not go as smoothly as they do in a very controlled training situation. Now, it doesn't sound like you have wild pheasants, but hopefully the farm-raised pheasants that you're going to be utilizing and hunting will be very wild-like. So that if your puppy goes in and points, but it's only a flash point, and then they try and take out that bird um, for themselves without you moving in to flush them, that they don't catch them. Catching them teaches them some naughty habits that, hey, I really don't actually need to hold this point because I can just catch a bird. Well, that's not going to really happen with wild birds typically. So if they try and flash point and push that bird out and it flushes, then yes, Exactly what you said. They're going to learn that, hey, if they don't point long enough, they're not going to get an opportunity on that bird. And you do have to have some restraint and not shoot those birds for them then. Because otherwise, we're just reinforcing a flash point is all you need to do to get a bird shot for you. Yes. And like we say in a lot of different episodes and training videos and all the things, what your dog is doing, they are conditioning themselves to. Now, there is a fine line here. Like Kat mentioned, handling that wild bird correctly. Um, That wild bird's going to teach a lot to the dog. And that's the way we try and utilize and recreate with electronic launchers. So if you don't have wild bird access and you're trying to kind of prepare your dog without, electronic launchers are definitely the best way to go with this because they allow for good timing and preventing your dog from overpressuring and learning naughty habits. Now, to caveat all of that, If you use the electronic launchers improperly, you can create more problems than you had to begin with, or you can create a lot of problems. Let's go with that. Yes. Any training tool used improperly can cause more problems as well. So any training tool. Yes. So the last part of this question, um, I feel that it's the last other question that I didn't quite, uh, get to was asking about utilizing a bell to help keep track of him Mm. or if that will scare birds away. Don't do it. Yeah, I was like, well, that's a terrible answer. We'll just let him go with it and then I'll correct him. So yeah, you can use a bell. We don't use bells, but we use beeper collars, uh, which allows us to be able to hear the dogs if they're on point or just locate them. We can push a button and it'll beep for us. Or it can go on um, a running and pointing mode where it beeps while they're running, but beeps faster when they're on point so that we can keep track audibly where the dogs are at if we can't see them in thick cover. There's a lot of people that think that those beepers scare birds off, you know, but I could tell you right now that for every person that you find that says that the beeper scared birds off, I can recount a single bird that I've shot over a Dog on point with beepers going off or multiple dogs pointing and backing, dung, 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 going beep, 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 beep. And the birds aren't getting up until we flush. No, we walk in and kick them up. But these are wild birds, folks. Yeah, the other side of it is, you know, birds flushing wildly 
happens, whether you've got a beeper collar on the dog, mm-hmm. whether you have a bell on the dog, whether mm-hmm. the dog is overpressuring the birds or not, especially towards later season and wily smart birds start getting overpressured throughout the season and they say, hey, we know somebody just got in the field and we are out because we don't want to be hunted anymore. I feel like pheasants or birds in general must just run hot, right? So any amount of warmth in the air and they're just like, ugh, I don't want to be here. But they get out when it's cooler, meaning it's like, they're gone. Running on top of snow and they're out there moving and grooving and it's like energizing them like the dogs do. You know, you dump the dogs out and it's like, ooh, it's a cool morning. Here we go. I think the birds are the same way. So to answer your question, the bell will not scare the birds off, but it will help you potentially keep track of your puppy. Bells aren't super loud, so the puppy's going to have to be fairly close and moving to be able to hear them. Yeah, that's my thing. So first of all, uh, I think a bell's not a bad thing for a little ching, ching, ding-a-ling, ching, ching, ding-a-ling, ding, ching, ching. When you are in the woods, you know, or in really thick cover where the dog's going to be close to you but you can't see them for the most part. That's not bad. But I will tell you, I've hunted with a few people with bells and I don't really care to listen to them. Just like I don't really care to listen to beepers all day long. Hate it. It's noisy. Let's just be at in peace with the outdoors, bro. But um, I, I like it to be quieter. And then when the noise starts, I can zero in on exactly where that dog is really fast. Now, with the bell, it's the exact opposite. You know, ching, 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 ching. It stopped. Oh, shit. Where did I hear that beeper last? I where just, did I hear the bell last? I just I think was, was kind of tuning it out after a while. Yeah, where think, was it? I think, I think it was kind of that direction, maybe. And you just start wandering because the bell no longer makes noise where the beeper works in, in the opposite of that. And it's like a homing beacon to where the, the dog actually has stopped. So... Uh, to each their own in that, but neither, neither way they're good. They're not going to affect your birds so, unless maybe you're in an area where there's a bajillion guys with bells and, and then now the birds are bell trained. I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it. No, I wouldn't worry about it either. If you like a bell, go for a bell, buddy. But those were really great questions. I think a lot of people have them coming up on their first season with their first bird dog. Um, But just ultimately go out, have fun, expect your puppy to make some mistakes. They have a lot to learn still and birds make a bird dog. So a hunting season, now that they've got the basics, is going to help them put all the pieces together and gain that experience that we're looking for. We'll see you in part three. Strike that. We'll answer another question before part three. Which is a very appropriate question to follow our last question with, because this one is from Quentin Ballard. Quentin Tarantino? (laughs) No. I can't believe he watches our YouTube channel. (laughs) How do you- Love Lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, but not as much as Snatch. Big fan, buddy. Um, So, to Quentin Ballard- Mm. How do you introduce a beeper collar? I have a ah. two-year-old pointer. She comes when I use it. Okay, so this one I am a pro at, and I am a pro at a few things, but this one I am outwardly so a pro at, okay? Um, I think this is something that's probably overlooked uh, as far as the actual simplicity to the process, okay? Um, the beepers are loud. 
they're also in a strange place. So if you have a dog with any amount of apprehension to the world, they're going to show some minor uh, adverse reaction to the first time the beeper goes off, even if it's just like, whoa, what was that? Because it's behind them and it's pretty loud. So our recommendation, and it is it is a simple one, and then we'll kind of go into the short answer, long answer. Short answer is DT's bumpers, or beepers, excuse me, come with a cap. Put that on. It's going to save your ears, their ears, everybody's ears. If you don't have a cap, use a piece of tape. Duct tape works fantastico. Um, then turn the beeper on. And like we talk about with everything else, the dog's going to get used to it. Uh, treating them like a normal dog, they're going to become a normal dog, so we don't pay attention to the strange behaviors if there are any. And a lot of dogs are just going to go on about their business as if nothing is happening. And we actually have a video about beeper conditioning. That's what we're talking about. Ooh, who do we do? Rogue, right? Rogue. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, we yeah. had her kennel up. It's been a while. Rogue is not a puppy anymore. And this was when she was still under a year, I believe, when we did the videos. Um, and we had her kennel up on a dog bed. So she wasn't kind of running around, being weirded out during the process. She had to stay on the dog bed. And then the beeper was just going off. And she was just getting used to it. If you search standing stone beeper conditioning, the video is titled Beeper Conditioning with the DT Systems Rap 1450 Upland Bird dot dot dot. I think it says collar, but that is how you find the video. Yeah, and then we also have a video of Rogue utilizing the beeper collar in the field after that collar conditioning. Yep, beeper it's the next one that video. shows up yep. if you search beeper con- standing stone beeper conditioning. Now, the the short answer is put it on them. They'll get used to it. That's it. I mean, you leave it on them. They will desensitize to the noise and eventually stop listening to it altogether. Um, On the flip side of that, there are a lot of things that you can actually create that are issues. uh, And it's all more in that situation about how you use it or you could create a problem. um, Just like you can create a problem with any type of adverse reaction a dog's having to something. So, the dog is unsure about, um, we were talking with someone recently about a dog, uh, that had come into the kennel that was just a little bit unsure. And we talk about how to, you know, how is, I was describe it as treat them like a normal dog, right? So we don't coddle them. Coddling is a big problem with dogs. Uh, I also believe that it is a problem with children, but that's for a different day. Um, but coddling is not ideal. You see the apprehension. You say, oh, it's okay, buddy. That is essentially, not essentially, exactly positive reinforcement to that situation. Dogs being apprehensive, you're saying, oh, it's okay, buddy, which is the exact same thing that we say, oh, good dog. You're doing so good. They feed on it the same and they go, okay, so this apprehension is a good thing. I should be unsure of this, or I should be alarmed by that or whatever. In the situation where we just ignore it and we allow them to kind of figure it out on their own, they're going to normalize. The other side of it would be, and probably the wrong answer is to when you see those apprehensions or unsureties to push them a little bit and say, all right, get over it, get over it, something else. And that's going to be, it's not allowing them to process on their time. We want them to process on their time, which can take different amounts for each dog. So, and Lastly, we sometimes will try and redirect their focus to something else that they're confident in doing. So if you've got a dog that's doing an alarm bark at something in the distance because they're not quite sure what it is and they're woofing Mm -hmm. at it, 
if you can get their attention and say, hey, I need you to heal now, then dogs can really only focus and think about one thing at a time. So if they're thinking about doing the behavior we've just asked for, which is healing or sitting or something, they're not thinking about what is that weird thing over there that I should maybe bark at. And this is something that I'm not overly proud about, but is a real world example where we're attempting to do this and it does work with Aiden. Okay. He hates, I'm going to say hates because it's, it strongly dislikes getting dropped off at daycare. We've started daycare. Just that slight process of Just being drop dropped off, off process. He doesn't like being left, whatever. Once we're gone, he has a grand old time playing with trucks and his friends and watching shows and doing all of the fun stuff that happens at daycare, craft projects and eating snacks and taking naps, loves it all. But the drop-off process is not ideal. So we use a lot of focus redirection rather than telling him, oh, it's okay, buddy. You know, you know, you're at daycare. You'll be all right. It's okay. No, we just say, hey, let's go ahead and do this. We need to focus on getting your shoes off. And then we need to focus on Oh, usually when we get there, it's shortly after, right? It's right before breakfast. So we say, where is your chair at the table? Show me that. Oh, okay, cool. And when you pull those little things to pull his mind off of what he's not excited about, then he gets over it a lot easier. He's like, oh yeah, I know where my chair's at, dad. Come here. Let me show you. Look at this one. It's red. This is my red chair and I'll sit down in it. And yep, that's my cup. And I sit next to Bailey and you know, all of these little things that make his brain work and not think about that actual apprehension. So when you put the beeper collar on your dog, put the cap over it or the tape over it so that it's quiet, turn it on and walk away and or give them the second to think about it and redirect focus to other things like turn it on, let's play fetch, let's do something to pull your focus away from it and then it needs to just run. It needs to run for a long period of time. Now, Getting into the specific problems that can be created. There's one big one. People utilize that beeper as a recall device, even if it's inadvertent. Yep. They utilize that beeper as a recall device, and that is not ideal because it's supposed to tell us when they're on point. And if we put a lot of emphasis on them hearing the beeper and coming back to us, I have seen it pull dogs off of point because they've been so conditioned that the beeper means get back. Yes. Now, what people do advertently, right? Inadvertently? No, 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 when they're doing it on purpose. Oh, what would it be? Advertently. Okay. So, what they're doing there would be intentionally. Intentionally. Beep, 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 beep. And then they shock the dog if they don't come and then hit the beeper again, essentially using it the same way that we would work through a dog that's distracted, not responding to vibrate. And they condition that the beeper means in, they're intentionally. Conditioning, the beeper means recall. Yeah, because if you don't recall on the beep, here comes the shock. Yep, so you can avoid the collar by complying to the beep. That's what they're teaching. And then the other option is you go, "Ah, I can't see Sparky. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, there you are. Now come back. And it happens in the same timing, but not... Intentionally. Not intentionally at this point in time. It's just one of those things that... Sequences um, and the way that you were utilizing the it, is, the yes. timing makes sense for that dog that they're like, oh, that's what this means. Now, there are times where you're going to say, ah, you're not where you're supposed to be. Get on back here. But be aware of the fact that this can become a problem and 
pay attention to what you're doing and try not to recall them every single time that you're hitting that locate button and checking on them. Now, not all call, not all beeper callers have a locate feature that's controllable with the transmitter like DT systems callers are. There's some out of beepers and some other things that aren't, but if you're getting a DT caller, um, DT systems beeper caller, like we sell on our website, you can hit the locate button on the transmitter and have that audible beep, 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 where the dog's at and find them. So it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So really great last question for part two. We will be back. Wait, wait, wait. Now we're headed to part three. Yes, now we are. Okie dokie now. We are here for part three in the final part of this week's Yawa. We are pulling all of our questions from YouTube comments. And if you haven't already seen, know, or understand how this works, I'll break it down for you. Type a comment below a YouTube video. Title it, Yawa comment, and then Yawa question, excuse me, then finish your comment out or your question in this specific situation. Now, if this is your first time to our channel or this is the first video you're finding of ours, hit the dang subscribe button because most likely you've already listened to a whole bunch of crap and we would appreciate it if you subscribe. Can we answer a question? Mm-hmm. Now that you have now a mouthful, have a mouthful. Of, of goodness from Canada. Canada. Ah, yes. That's um, funny and dirty all at the same time. Moving on. I didn't even get that until you had to go there. Sandra May Watling. I butchered that. Watling. Watling. Sorry. Um, First off, I love all your content. Super informative. And you guys are so fun to watch. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully you'll pick this for a Yawa question. Hey, we did. We did. What is your thoughts on running retrievers and pointers at the same time? Like pointer shows where the bird is, then the retriever flushes it out type of deal. Mm, I currently have a lab, which we run for waterfall, but I'm super interested in a GSP for upland only, even talking to a breeder about the potential of getting one next year. So exciting. Very exciting. I know there would be more training involved. Just wondering your thoughts and opinions, because I would love to be able to bring them both out at the same time. Okay, so there are a lot of different things involved with this, but short answer again, because there are some people out there that, you know, don't have any time on there or don't have extra time on their hands and they want the short answer. Yes, you can run them together. That's the short answer. And the long answer is, like you said, yes, it's going to take more training. It's going to require a higher level of steadiness from that pointing breed dog because they're going on point and then they're having another dog move in past them while they're supposed to still stay there on point, flushing birds in front of them. So it has a higher level expectation for that steadiness. Typically, it's not something that we recommend doing with a young dog in a sense of it's their first bird season because They need to be able to put all of the pieces together that they have learned through training and be successful in the field. And then if you've got a lab coming in and pushing birds out in front of them, A, it's going to be really hard for them to want to continue standing there. And B, they aren't going to get as many of the rewards of the retrieve aspect side of things. So putting all the pieces together for them is really important. After your first season, take the time to polish up their steadiness, um, which is also something we talk about having a dog that's actually um, mature enough for that level of steadiness isn't something that usually happens until after the first season. Now, we haven't had one for a while, but this is going to be one of Ethan's brutally honest comments. Okay. 
retrievers in general. Well, let's just stick let's stick the bigger retriever category because there are some smaller flusher retrievers like the cocker breed. Those little yeah, energizer little bunnies. Um, they've got some go to them, and I think that a majority of them that I've worked with truly, if they're conditioned properly could keep up with pointers for most of the day, even on those little dinky little legs. They can, I mean, those little little turds can, they can do it. They're zippy little things. Yes. But on average, if it comes down to it, it's just a fact of uh, it's somebody's going to get butt hurt about this. But pointers are going to out hunt in the field labradors and a majority of the retrievers out there and when we say out hunt they're just going to be able to last longer last longer you've got a marathon athlete here in your you pointers have a, yeah this is the pointing guys here point on point then you have the flushers and they're more like your sprinters yes explosive power just imagine putting you know the big muscled up sprinter next to the guy that's um a long distance marathon, ultra marathon runner, typically really long and lean. Usually, typically long and lean. They're going to run further, longer because that's how they're built to do it, and that's what they're conditioned to do. So, just like uh, horses, I mean, there's different types of horses. You know, gated horses versus non-gated horses, and yeah. they move differently. They and move they, differently. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the same is said for breeds. And where you were going with that, I believe, is. If you're letting your lab try and Run. free hunt yes. with the short hairs, they're going to tuck her out pretty quickly. Drastically comparatively. Yeah. And so usually we would keep those dogs in a heel, which also requires a higher level of obedience because they're healing through the field until those pointers go on point. Then you're sending them in for that explosive flushing energy to happen. And we refer to that dog as the strike dog. Did yes. you say that already? I might have missed that. We refer to this dog running that. into flush in front of pointers as the strike dog. So yeah. running a strike dog is kind of a fun way to hunt. It's a really cool thing. Now, I do want to challenge you guys, okay? Some of you may have seen some of the collaboration stuff that we've done with Lone Duck. Now, I got word that there's a good possibility, and I know a little nudge, nudge, poke, poke, wink, wink kind of thing could help with that, but I think he's going to be coming out this fall sometime to do some training out here, do some hunting, shoot the videos, drink some bourbon, all the things. And that would be awesome. It would I be think really I know cool. Where you're going with this. Yeah, to to run the finished standing stone dogs with the finished lone duck strike dogs and put together a video showing firsthand how to do this. Now, all we need you to do, this is the important part here. The little nudge will be Go over to Lone Duck. They have, you search Lone Duck Outfitters. They have a YouTube channel. They've got a bunch of cool videos coming out. Find any video, watch any video you got there, and just start commenting, strike dog, anywhere you can. Strike dog, strike come, dog, strike come dog. Come to Kansas. Come to Kansas. Strike dog is funny because wow. he won't know where it came from, and then oh, it'll oh, take yeah, a while yeah. to figure it oh, out. Yeah. These are strike mind dog. games. Mind strike, games, I like it. Strike dog. Start commenting. Anybody that's watching this, start go to Lone Doc's page, hit the subscribe button because their stuff's cool, and then Strike Dog. Strike Dog. Okay, Comment, I get where you're dog. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it'll, it'll be our little secret until he figures it out. So the ticket is make sure that your pointer has the additional level of steadiness to be ready for the Strike Dog and prepare this for before you are going to. 
the field. You know, train like you want to hunt so you don't have to train as much while you hunt. These are important things. Really good question, and I think it's going to be an exciting opportunity to shoot another video. If we get him out here, we're going to be doing it. Pointers, retrievers, strike dog, action. It'll be cool. Great. Let's go to our next question. Next question is from Dylan Krause. Yawa question. Whoop, whoop. See what he did there? He said, Yawa question in a comment on a YouTube video. Which you guys, by the way, are doing a fantastic job of. I go through the comments on the daily, try and get to as many as we can. And it's like, Yawa question, Yawa like, question, Yay, Yawa we've got question. so much great content to be able to put out for these guys. Love it. I have a year old male, Brittany, and recently a family member of mine got themselves a puppy. My dog has always behaved relatively well around other dogs because I made sure to socialize him well as a young pup, but he didn't get a lot of contact with dogs that are smaller than him. With bigger dogs or dogs the same size as him, he seems to be able to tell if the other dog is done playing with him and he will relax and leave them alone. It seems recently as he has made more contact with a few small size dogs and I can't seem to get him to leave them alone other than making him sit on his place or making him heel next to me. Every time I try to give him a little freedom, all he does is pester the smaller dog trying to get them to play, generally scaring the heck out of them. And with one particularly submissive dog, he kept trying to hump them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this has something to do with prey drive or if it is simply a lack of socialization with dogs smaller than him. What can I do to help this behavior? Okay, so it's it's puppies, right? And he's, I mean, he's a year, but he's young. It's a year-old dog pestering the new puppies. Or any small dogs. Or any small dogs. Okay, well... So I want to say you're on the right track in a sense of keeping him placed and having him on heel during those situations. And I know it seems like you've got to have your thumb right on him right now, but he's young and he's learning. So the more time, effort, and energy you put in now, the more he'll understand that, hey, just going and humping these dogs or pouncing on them or playing rough with them isn't really a viable option. And on top of that, there's a good chance that he could inadvertently hurt the little puppies. Or the small dogs. You know, small breed dogs are more fragile, and we definitely don't want him to hurt them. Or like you mentioned, you know, some of these more submissive dogs, we don't want them to have a bad experience or a young puppy have a bad experience where they're afraid of older dogs because they are also learning and socializing at this point. So we talk about this a lot, you know, young dogs and old dogs, puppies and adult dogs, how to help them interact properly. And it's important that you make sure that they are interacting properly and you advocate for both. You know, you have to advocate for the older dogs if the puppy is the one just pestering and gnawing on their ears and, you know, jumping on them all the time and the old dog doesn't want to deal with it. Well, you have to advocate for the puppies too. If the older dog is trying to play or is too rough or grumping at them, you have to say, hey, that's not okay either. Exactly. It, it, It involves both. But I think that what you're experiencing is a slightly immature personality, a puppy inside a slightly larger dog here that just wants to play with the young dogs and doesn't understand properly how to do so. And our answer most of the time, unless you've got a true rough and tumble uh, guinea pig, is to 
to keep them separate. I mean, if yeah. it's causing problems, keep them apart. Because anything we do that, that he's doing in the house is conditioning. As well. um, you know, yeah, we don't let the big dogs play with the little puppies very often. I mean, it's got to take the right situation. And and usually it's in a very controlled situation where they're both on a dog bed and they're just kind of laying there going rah, 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 and, you know, kind of just staying in place and not escalating and not letting it get out of control because that is when somebody's going to shoot their eye out. Well, you got to think about essentially what they're dealing with right now would be just a little, just a little younger than what Ledge is, right? Legend is. Yep, Legend just, just turned a year in August. So he's just over a year. It's pretty dang close to the same age. And he, not good with little puppies. I mean, he just, he's excited to see them. And he's like, oh yeah, oh, ah. And then runs over them, trample. Yep. And then luckily our young puppies aren't little, little, Yeah. you know, they're a little bit bigger, but still we pretty much limit their interactions until they can get older and mature properly. Or we're very conscious of how they're interacting. You know, legend has to be on a place board where the puppies can come and go as they please and not um, be pounced on or rolled over by a bigger, potentially scarier dog. Perfect. Uh, it was a great question. So the last question. Last but not least. For this week's Yawa, which I was super excited to answer this one. Mm. From well, I will be back later. I'm going to get some coffee. From Monica Taylor, Yawa Crate Training. I have two pups from my own litter staying a little bit longer. I'm mm. trying to crate train them in the meantime. One thing I am a little lost on is if they start to cry just before they are supposed to be let out for breakfast, potty, example, they get out at 7 a.m. but start crying at 6.50 a.m. and don't stop, what do you do? Do you still let them out for breakfast and potty or do you wait until they stop crying even if it goes beyond the schedule of 7 a.m. let out time? They have been doing great getting one potty break throughout the night and now crying until morning. Thanks, guys. Love your videos. What? Uh, does it say the age? No, just two puppies from a litter that are staying a little bit longer. So, you know, it sounds like either the rest of the litter mates have gone home. Probably or right some, around eight weeks or nine right weeks. Right around maybe. that, that crate training timing. So, a um, mm-hmm. couple of options. One, if your puppies are getting let out in the morning and you're both letting them out to potty, which that's the first thing that they're going to do coming out of a crate, but also getting breakfast right away. One thing you can try is pushing breakfast until a little bit later so that they aren't going, I want to wake up just a little bit earlier. Just like Christmas with kids. They're like, we don't sleep in on Christmas because we want to get up early and open presents. Well, Mm -hmm. puppies think of breakfast as Christmas and they're like, well, I don't want to sleep in because I want my food meow. Right now. So if we can transition where they're getting their meal later in the morning instead of 7 a.m., getting it at 9 a.m., that way they won't wake up earlier and earlier and earlier. We see that with our adult dogs, too. Yeah, in expectation of breakfast coming. Um, The other side of it is puppies don't read clocks and tell time exactly. So if they're waking up a little early, whining, it's because they probably need to go out and go to the bathroom. And at that point when they've already been sleeping, you know, all night long and it's not, I just put you in this crate. You need to settle down before I let you out. It's, oh, now you're letting me know you kind of got to go. And we want to build on success and help them have success and have better bladder control and no potty accidents. So if I hear some whining, it's a little earlier than I expected to let them out. I'm going to let them out put them back in their crates after potty break, and then they get out again later before breakfast time. 
Yeah, and I would say the other side about that would be uh, with the dogs that we start this with here at the facility, they are, we typically begin this process, what, around six Six weeks weeks. old? and Which we have playlists on our YouTube channel showing how we raise and develop litters of puppies um, and starting crate training process with not only a litter of four, but also a litter of how many? Ten? Yeah, 10. Yeah, with, so uh, two different litters. We did the litter. whole step by, and people are like, hey, you should do this with the next litter. I'm like, it's a lot of work. Folks. It was a lot of work. Taking care of the litter is a, a lot, lot of, work. of work. Then videoing the whole yes, process adds yes. another level. So what I wanted to touch on with this specifically is when we're doing that, which is probably what you saw, which is why you're trying to start this yeah. with these little puppies. Um, when they're young, we keep them with a brother, sister, and a pair, all of these things. But if they are left over or still, you know, waiting a little bit longer to be picked up, you should be splitting them up. Yes. Now this is going to throw, if you, if you haven't already, cause you didn't say specifically kind of sounded like they're still created together. They're sleeping great, whatever. But if they aren't split up already, they should be split up. And I'm going to tell you right now that is going to turn your world upside down. I would guess they won't sleep as well. They won't sleep as long. They're going to not be used to being apart, and those are important things for them to start learning now. Otherwise, they can build too much attachment. This is a it's, it's an important part. It's called part. littermate syndrome. Yeah. Is it really? It really is a thing. I just had an email about it today. Okay. So, littermate syndrome, um, they also call in horses buddy sour, where they don't understand how to be apart from the other individual, and when you're riding horses or when you're trying to catch a horse or when you're trying to do those things all of that is it just i mean it's it's attachment to the other creature and they are pack animals but that pack needs to become the new people and or us and or something other than their brother and sister yeah otherwise they might as well just be a wild pack of dogs living out there doing their thing so separating them now if they're over eight weeks old because once they go home at eight weeks old, they're going to be separated anyway mm-hmm. if they had gone home at that age. And so we're trying to start that process now when it's timely so that when they do go home to their new families, it's not puppies going home at 10 or 12 weeks old that have now been with a litter mate for an additional four or six weeks and becoming that much more ingrained and that much more bonded that it's going to be an even more difficult transition for their new families when those puppies have to be separated and go home and they've been for the last 16 weeks of their lives yeah. with a litter mate, at least one. Now, I would guess, I'm, I'm just guessing here, um, speaking from experience only, they're going to not be happy about this and as well as one or the other is waking the other up. So if you have them in separate crates, then you've got to get them both out, but you've got to keep them apart so they're not playing, they're actually pottying. And it may be better to move one crate to this end of the house and one crate to this end of the house so that they can't hear each other or any of the other things. And if one of them is the one pottying or needs potty, whatever, you can hopefully get Get that that one one out out. and not the other one and get them to continue to build and develop bladder um, control and conditioning that way so that they 
both get better at the paces that they need to be. So, yeah, which is why raising two puppies at the same time, especially litter mates, can be really difficult. It's a lot of work. Well, and it's really hard to separate them yes. because they're both going to need to potty at the same time. Yes. You're trying to do training sessions, and one has to be crated while the other one's working on a training session, and it just creates And we know a you're not of- keeping litter mates for the sake right. of keeping litter mates, but has anybody seen where the red fern grows? I mean, old Dan and little Ann... They spent too much time together. That's all I'm saying. Well, I'm pretty sure that's a fictional piece of work, but. That stuff is true. (laughs) Okay. But we do have a video on why litter mates are a difficult thing to do at the same time. And we have a lot of people that are like, no, I had litter mates and I absolutely loved it. Well, that is great that it worked out for you. But honestly, for the most part, most people struggle raising litter mates and have problems down the road when training starts, one has to be separated from the other and things like that happen. Um, and there's more issues, um, that do arise throughout their lives. If you haven't seen that video, it's five reasons not to get litter mates. So you can search standing stone litter mates. It's the first one that pops up. So that was a great question. Hopefully we were able to help answer that a little bit for you. And I'm out of my pecan pies. And we're out of time. I'm the guy with the pink gun. I'm Kat the dog trainer. And we will see you in the next video.